welcome to Paths to Restoration. I am Ed Szeski. I'm the author of Reconnect, Spiritual Restoration from Digital Distraction. And this is the podcast where we talk about ways that you can restore your soul with spiritual practices to help save you from digital distraction. So I am joined today, finally, with an, another interview. We've kind of gotten out of our solo podcast rut that we've been in. Uh, I have uh, artist and writer, Heather Kaliri. She is joining me from California. And uh, she has a very, very beautiful piece of her artwork behind her uh, while we're talking today. Uh, she has a course, 30 Days to Loving Dignity. And uh, we'll be talking about uh, her course, her, her story, and some of her spiritual practices and other practices that restore her soul. So thanks so much for joining us today, Heather. I'm so pleased to be here with you today, Ed. So I thought we would begin with just a little bit of your story, because I feel like you're, I mean, so say as much or as little as you want, but I mean, you've had quite a journey. And, you know, one of the things I love about your bio is you say, uh, I can't remember where I, which bio I saw this on, but you mentioned that, you know, I, I thought, I thought I wasn't the artist of the family. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, when, when we go, when people go to your, your, you know, your social media feed, there's a ton of art there. Um, I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, take that any yeah. way you want. But that, I just, I love that, uh, that statement because I feel like that touches on something that I can relate to. Mm, I think a lot of us, it's, it's hard to own our creative selves. It has been definitely a journey for me. Um, yeah, so I'm the youngest of three kids and my sister, Katie, was the artist of our family. And um, our family was really troubled growing up. There was violence in my home and a lot of it was actually aimed at my brother and my sister. And I saw, especially as my sister got older, I saw her making art in response to the hard things that she was going through. And I deeply loved my sister and looked up to her um, so much, but also because I was kind of the golden child of our family, I could kind of do no wrong where a lot of the blame often got heaped on my brother and sister. So there was sort of, especially as we got older, sort of a division between us and and um, there was jealousy and misunderstanding in that relationship. And I, I remember when I was in ninth grade, I tried copying some of her art. She was doing these like swirly faces and I tried like imitating some of the things she was doing. And I found it really compelling, but I also felt this guilt because I felt like was kind of stealing from her. But I remember, and then I remember her finding it and giving me this look like really? <laughs> Being like, you're totally stealing my ideas here. And I think I had this idea that number one, I needed to be, if I was a real artist, I needed to know what I was doing. Like my sister seemed to know how to make things and mm -hmm. it just seemed to spring out of her hands. And I think I didn't realize, you know, a lot of the art that she made was out of desperation. It was, it was, really like she needed an outlet to express the things that she was feeling and she, that was the best way she knew how to do it and I also think like I I was afraid I saw that my sister would often speak truth with her art that was unsettling or you know like she was making pictures that were sometimes disturbing because she was going through a lot of difficult stuff and that honesty was really frightening to me there's a power in art that I think we're often afraid <laughs> to mm -hmm. get too close to. We're afraid of 
of really sitting. I mean, I think I see a lot of um, parallels between like sitting in silence and making making art. There's mm. a kind of nakedness there that is very uncomfortable. And that like visual arts in particular, I still find often a lot of anxiety when I sit down to create, there's that blank page that you face, you know, that blank canvas. And it's hard to say the idea that I have in my head is good enough to put down. And when mm. I put it down, the way it comes out, even if it doesn't turn out the way I expect it, that is also good enough. Those things are really hard to do. So it wasn't until really in my thirties that I, I, I always did like hand lettering and calligraphy and collage. And it was like our family, our, most of our, our entire family really is a family of makers. So I was always making things, but I, the idea of calling myself an artist it was really hard for me to do. But as my kids were younger and we were making art together, I realized, you know, I just, a, a through line of my life has been making things, whatever it is, and right. deciding that some of it was art and some of it was just craftiness. It's like, what is that line exactly? You know, like there isn't, mm -hmm. we kind of separate these, those things into boxes as if one is more important and worthy than others, but really making a dress or making dinner or making a piece of art, those are all similar skills in some ways. And there's ways to, to make them beautiful. Just making things is a beautiful practice. So I've really found as I've opened up to taking the risk to make art, I've opened up to being more honest with myself, to being more vulnerable with God and with other people, to really being able to be seen and even just owning the things that I like, you know, um, being able to say, I like this color enough to put it on a canvas. I like this shape enough to, you know, put it on a piece of paper and the way it turns out, even if nobody else likes it, it is still worth making. Mm. That kind of attitude has been such a deep spiritual discipline and, um, really has transformed so much of the way I live my life in all areas. Mm. Wow. There's a lot of different directions we could go with that. I mean, I, I feel like that does offer us though a good segue as far as that, um, uh, that self-acceptance, self-awareness, uh, about, you know, this, that connection with what you've been working on lately. Um, you know, like to some of your mm -hmm. latest projects you've been working on and, how you're kind of sharing those lessons with other people in that story and that journey. Yeah, yeah, I really, when we sit and are honest with ourselves, whether it's on the blank page, whether it's with a paintbrush in our hand or in prayer, all of these different emotions come up. So my sister expressed all of those emotions through her, through her artwork. And I have often done it through writing and through art. and in my thirties, especially a lot of that process of creativity really brought up a lot of frustration and anger and trauma with the hardships that our family went through when I was little. And I went into therapy and went through a healing process of a couple years of really being honest with myself about the limitations and pretty much all of the relationships in my life, all of them had had limits because we're all human, right? Even my relationship with myself and with God. Um, 
And through that process of healing and therapy, I learned a lot about being able to love people well without being a doormat, right? Mm -hmm. Like being able to show up in these relationships, whether they were healthy or not, and figure out how to love people and affirm them, even if I wasn't able to have the full relationship that I wanted to. And so all of that learning, all of that um, growth and healing that I went through, then recently I was like, you know what, I would really like to be able to share this with people. So I created a course called 30 Days to Loving Dignity. And it's really about walking that path of healing and sitting in honesty with yourself, <laughs> being able to feel those dis those uncomfortable feelings like we do anytime we do something new and be honest and gentle with ourselves as we take intentional steps forward to create something new in our relationships. So that's, I'm really excited. I'm gonna be sharing the course again in June and, and opening it up, um, you know, beginning in, I've, I've opened it up for people to go and purchase it now, um, but it will, I'll like start it and have a Facebook group and different ways that people can participate with it in June. Great, great. Yeah, I mean, I, I what I love is that um, all these different elements, I feel like in your life, you could almost talk about them individually, but they're all kind of interconnected in some way. But there is such yeah. a, um, an integratedness. And I feel like that's maybe part of the challenge of, you know, just, you know, when, we, when we're dealing with prayer, when we're dealing with writing or creativity and art, uh, you know, it's seeing, all those interconnections and maybe how how compartmentalized and fragmented our lives have become and then seeing like how like oh this this connects with this and this if i do this this helps with this helps with this or or whatever you know what i mean like yes. there's that that all those ties yeah i mean i think the further in and the deeper in i get in relationship with god and other people the more i realize like every part of my day everything that i do affects everything else like there's yes i can have intentional ways of praying but also making art can be a prayer caring for my children can be a prayer um it all feeds each other it all feeds every other part of your life so having a holistic view is so important because you know everything is gift, right? Like everything mm -hmm. that we do can connect us with God and each other in some way. And if we, if we see it as all sacred, we're much more able to have healing in all parts of our life that, that, you know, trickles every place because it's all interconnected. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, I don't want you to give away the, you know, the course here, but you know, there, there is a, you know, just hear you talk about all this. I mean, I feel like, you know, one of the things that I feel like people come up with with prayer um, or with writing, it's like they feel like there's some kind of like a block or there's some kind of a, you know, something you can't get past. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, like I'm, I'm curious in, in your own experience, you know, how, you know, how you've either like told other people to approach this. I am, I'm, I'm kind of being vague. If it's too vague, let me know. But uh, I am trying to kind of like let you kind of take this in any direction you want. But I feel like there's that sense of like a creative block or a block in prayer. And, you know, what, what would you tell people or what's been your experience with kind of getting past something that feels like, wow, I can't, I can't get past this, whatever this, you know, this yeah. feeling or frustration. 
No, that, that feeling is so, so real and present for me. It's, it's every time I sit down to create this sense of like, ah, like I get major anxiety mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much, you know, anytime I try to do something new. So I think the thing that I have come to is accepting what we can do with deep honesty and realism, like accepting it as enough accepting it as worthy, accepting it as a first step. You know, I think so often I get ahead of myself and this is true in relationships too. If we have a block in a relationship, usually we have these expectations of that relationship that maybe aren't realistic for us or realistic to put on the other person, right? Like we want them to just fill in the blank. Or if we're creating, if we're creating something, well, I just want this to, you know, be a really great abstract painting, you know, (laughs) or I just really want this to look, to be, to impress somebody, or I really want to feel like a real artist after I make this. And honestly, we usually are not in control of the outcomes of the stuff that we try we can do our best, we can put something down on paper, and it's probably going to, it's never going to match up to our ideals for that thing. It never is. And so making peace with the humbleness of what it is that we can actually offer and do, making peace with the real brokenness out there in the world and the brokenness of other people and being really relentlessly honest about that, all of those things help give us permission to take just a small step forward and really just staying grounded in like our daily bread, our daily practice. Like what is, what is today's small step forward? I was just, I was like literally just in therapy the other day. And I kept, I kept having these big grand questions for my therapist. And I realized like every single one of the questions that I felt most anxious about were like, well, what is this going to feel like in five years? Mm. <laughs> and I was like, you know, <laughs> no control over five years from now. What can I do today to actually have health in this relationship? What can I do today to be faithful to this calling that I have to make something, you know, that is all we can control. And if we focus on that, we can actually do something. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like my, my therapy sessions can be boiled down to like, just make a list. You need to just, you need to make a list. a fan of list making lists are the best <laughs> um you know so I, I feel like the uh talking about saying that this is this is enough you know it's not going to be like what i imagine but it's going to be enough i feel like that provides at least for me but i don't maybe, maybe you'll agree but a great segue for talking about social media and the way mm. it kind of intersects with our work and with our you know i mean it, there's you know there's kind of I feel like if you write, if you do creative stuff, you know, there's that like blurring between like work and personal on social media. Like you kind of, you know, and like you make like friends, but they're kind of, they're kind of colleagues, but they're also kind of friends, you know? So, um, you know, but how has social media, you know, having your smartphone around, how has that intersected with your work? Um, you know, kind of the, the follow-up would be, you know, the ways that's maybe helped or hindered um, how have you seen that show up in your life? Yeah, social media is so confusing. Um, 
I'll say this. I, I struggle with social media because it feels good to use my voice and get recognition for that. And so it has been such a powerful tool as a creative person to connect to people, to build community, to build readership. This is, I mean, that's a tool that I need in order to do my job as a writer. I have never felt very comfortable on social media and I get a great deal of anxiety from it. So I kind of have this love hate relationship. Like I, for example, I've tried to do Twitter for years and like every time I sit down to type, like how many, however many characters you can do, I, my heart is in my throat. Like I've never gotten over that. I don't yeah. know why it makes no sense to me, but I have had to figure out like, so there's a little bit of a push pull with me. I often want to hide as a creative person and not tell people about what I'm doing. And so I have to work against that a little bit and actually actively engage with social media because if it were up to me, I'd sit in a corner and I wouldn't talk to anybody. And I would, and then the problem, and, and that would be fine if I were content with it, right? Like if, if that were my calling, that would be fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But then I start feeling resentful that people aren't paying attention to what I'm doing. So if I want a broader audience, if I feel called and pulled toward a broader audience, then it is an intentional discipline that I need to invest in. And these are skills that I need to, to be brave enough to practice. So for me, social media has been as much of a, as much of a challenge, like a, an actual push from God saying like, you have this need to use your voice, take that seriously. At the same time, then when I start doing that, I get all those little pingy and notifications on my phone saying like, oh, this person liked what you said. And then it just draws me in. And it's so easy to put my sense of worth into how many likes things are getting or whether people are commenting or whether this important person noticed that I commented. Like that is that is not helpful for me and it's again it's about showing up with and trusting that what i can do is enough and not needing it to be shinier or fancier or bigger than where god has put me in the moment so it's a little bit of a push pull and right now for lent i'm actually off all of all, all social media mm. at as such a vacation <laughs> I don't have to think about it. I don't have to, I don't have to be constantly calibrating about what's not enough and what's too much. Like I can just be in my life. Um, and every time I take this kind of a break, when I go back, I'm more intentional about seeing the ways I need to be intentional to put myself out there and also the ways that I need to guard against it. So I, um, I just, I try to, <sighs> I kind of feel like any like boundaries that I set up, I constantly am recalibrate, re recalibrating them. You know, yeah. I'm kind of paying attention to how distracted I feel, how isolated I feel and kind of adjusting it. And usually if I make a rule for myself after a little while, I start breaking it. <laughs> so like, yeah. I have to notice like, okay, this rule is not working for me right now. And why is that? And let's have a talk with Jesus about why it's not working. And maybe I need to be a little bit more loose for a while and then <laughs> see how that's working. It's kind of like a constant, a constant recalibration with me. Yeah. 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 I mean, so it sounds like you, you do have regular, you know, fast from social media though. That is a, a practice that you do. Yes. I always take 
Sabbaths on, on Sundays, I stay off of my computer as much as possible, stay off from devices as much as possible. Yeah. Um, I don't write, I don't do, I don't do housework. Like I just really batten down the hatches and am very quiet all day. Um, so that's a regular practice. And then usually around, you know, holidays and stuff, I'll take some days off. And that always feels like a release and also a little bit of a loss because I enjoy I enjoy getting to use my gifts, you know. So it's again, it's always a little bit of a a push pull of like, yes, this is a good thing to be intentional about, but it's not a good thing to completely avoid. Right, right. That's interesting too because I feel like you're there is a, a sense of intentionality though, as far as you have a self self awareness of that you'd almost be more comfortable not doing it. And I feel like a lot of people feel like, you know, I, I have to, like, I, like they really want to get on there. And so, um, you know, but that's, that's, you know, I think that that's an important thing to think about is just that self-awareness of like, what's, you know, where am I, where am I being called and where are my natural inclinations? Yeah. Um, so besides fasting from social media and having like a legit Sabbath, which I, I love that. Um, you know, which, which spiritual practices have been, you know, most formative for you in your journey? This, you know, just at, just at any point, I mean, you can mention what's been most helpful lately, but you know, where, where do you turn? Hmm. You know, I, I would say, I don't know whether this counts as a spiritual practice, although I feel like pretty much anything counts as a spiritual practice. I think I would say that the word delight has been a touchstone for me for a really long time mm. because left to my own devices, I am an ambitious ducks in a row planner who really likes to get stuff done and who, you know, like I said, I was the good girl in my family. So I'm going to do the right thing. You know, <laughs> like I'm going to put my nose to the grindstone and achieve, achieve, achieve. And after college, um, I had sort of an encounter with the verse, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your, your heart. I couldn't remember the first half of that verse. It kind of popped into my head. And I was like, I know that, is that a verse from the Bible? That sounds like a verse from the Bible, but what's the first, like, what do you have to do in order to get the desires of your heart? Mm -hmm. And when I went and I looked it up, I was shocked that the word delight was in there. And ever since then, if there is a spiritual practice like prayer, if there is a daily discipline like writing or art making, I have to ask myself, am I actually delighting in this? Is this actually filling me in some real way? Because I will put my nose to the grindstone and do stuff that I think I should do because it sounds impressive or godly or whatever. But if it's not actually feeding me, it's probably not the right spiritual discipline for me. So for example, I really, you know, I was involved in a crew in college and in like evangelical spaces. And the emphasis was you need to read your Bible every day and like great habit, right? Love the Bible. If I try to read the Bible every day, and this has been consistent for the last 20 years, so I don't see it changing. I 
kind of want to quit Christianity altogether. Like it does not delight me to read the Bible every day. I don't know why completely, but if I am actually, or like, for instance, I got this idea in my head last, you know, last year that I really wanted to work on abstract art, love abstract art, really admire it. Practicing it every day was filling me with anxiety and I put it off and I was like, okay, I feel like I should want to do this. I aspire to do this, but when I actually do it in practice, is it bringing me life? Mm. No, not if I'm honest with myself. Even if I, you know, sometimes you have to push past a little bit of initial resistance in order to start a new practice, but I was not anticipating it. I was not looking forward to it. And at the same time I started crocheting and oh my gosh, Ed, like, sit me down with a hook and like some yarn and I am just happy as a clam for like an hour just sitting and like fixating on like little loops of yarn super happy I don't know why crochet delights me more than abstract art at this point in my life Mm. but right now that is what is actually bringing me life so I often have these ideas of what I should be doing and I really have to weigh that against what my what my heart is actually responding to and be really honest about pursuing those things that are genuinely life-giving even if they don't sound as impressive or as godly or whatever yeah oh i mean you saying all that i mean i feel like there's a thing that i realized in you know just in therapy and just in general it's that like our our, the reactions that we even don't understand are still intensely rational. Like those like irrational, the seemingly irrational th- responses or, you know, things that we feel or sense or just the stuff in our gut. Like it's usually like, there's usually something very rational about it um, and some kind of association we make. And so I totally relate to that whole idea of like not wanting to sit down and just read the Bible because I like, Read it cover the cover over and over again, you know, got a you know seminary degree and you know, did all kinds of stuff. And what I found is that I really fell in love with scripture again when I started just praying with it. Um, because I I've learned that kind of reading the Bible in a certain way uh got associated with you know seeking answers or proofs or whatever, like kind of kind of more manipulative toward others like there was a really negative sense and you know and so that's the kind of thing where like I would never like say that to somebody like well if you read the bible this way it's because you're being manipulative it's just that's the hang-up that I have and right and so once I got you know the divine hours by Phyllis Tickle and it was like I can I can hang out in there all day no problem because I'm praying scripture and I'm you know I'm meditating on it and I'm not just looking Mm. for answers or, you know, background archaeological data or trying to like figure out the chronology of the Kings or whatever the heck we did in seminary. So anyway, but yeah, paying paying attention to that and just, and taking ourselves seriously. Like sometimes we need to set aside what we first want to do, but sometimes what we first want to do is super important and we need to pay attention to it and honor it. Like that can be the voice of the Holy Spirit within us. And so even those weird preferences that we can't figure out, it's important to 
pay attention to those and pray, pray through those and take them seriously. Not that we'll follow them every single time, but that they are important information that we should be considering when, when we build our life. Like, what do we actually want? Like, mm. I, I even just another crazy thing that's been so transformative to me, like paying attention to the kind of clothes I like. Like, I thought it was like ungodly to pay attention to fashion, right? Like, I kind of, you know, as a woman, just paying attention. And it's not mm. everybody's thing, but realizing that I like color. I have, I like visual stuff. And I enjoy wearing clothes that I like the look of. And that is okay. Like, I might indulge that, that, that joy and that beauty it doesn't have to be everybody's practice but just giving ourselves permission to like one thing and not like another thing is an incredibly powerful tool of discernment mm. you know my, my family makes fun of me because i'm just like johnny cash wearing a black shirt literally like every day of my life that's like <laughs> <laughs> and that can be freeing too like you like wearing a black shirt like that's great <laughs> You should just go for it. Own the black shirt, Ed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just say so, you're channeling your inner Steve Jobs, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I always, I, I like, yeah, my family calls me Johnny Cash because I always, <laughs> I'm always wearing a black shirt. Um, so as far as just, I, I know that, you know, we could talk a long time about this, but, you know, what right now is especially grounding for you like what's restoring your soul i like to say that i feel like you know the stuff that we do um that you know restores us it i feel like there's like a like a cultivating of a discipline and attention to like a long-term process because you know spirituality spiritual growth is not like kind of our digital stuff that we're used to it's not like a, a tv show or you know, social media where you kind of get kind of an immediate kind of dopamine hit or whatever. Yeah. Uh, there's kind of like a longer term, you know, attention and practice and the satisfaction is very, I feel like, you know, longer lasting if you stick with it long enough. Um, mm. But you know, I'm curious, like what is, you know, restoring for you right now? Um, you mentioned crochet, mm. which my wife loves that too. Yeah. Yeah, that actually was what was springing to my mind. I, I learned to crochet right before the pandemic started. And um, I decided my for my very first project, I decided, decided to make a granny square blanket, which, um, you know, like a crocheted blanket and it's with pretty thin yarn. So we're talking, I mean, thousands of stitches you know, like just over and over and over. And when I first started it, my aunt who knits, which is similar, I told her, oh, I'm gonna make a granny square blanket. And she said, a blanket? Well, that's really ambitious. <laughs> and me being a beginner, I was like, oh, it'll take me a couple months. I haven't finished it. It's a year later, I'm close <laughs> to finishing. And that it's also like, my sister is also very artistic. Like I said, my sister Katie, and she heard that I crocheted and she's, I mean, she's the kind of person that can pick up almost anything and, and do it if it involves her hands. And she said, but it's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think there's something, I mean, it almost makes me want to cry when I think about in the early days of the pandemic, I felt so much anxiety. Like it was mm. so, it was so traumatic for all of us. It's gotten a lot better, you know, a year in, but sitting with something soft and colorful in my hands and slowly painstakingly doing stitch after stitch after stitch to make something that 
that was beautiful, that could be handed down to my children, that was warm. Um, it, there was a deep patience too, because it is, you know, about five rows in, I was like, oh, this is really gonna take a long time. <laughs> but it has been the perfect, the perfect project for the pandemic because it has taken a long time and it is kind of boring and there isn't immediate gratification exactly, but there's a satisfaction of like, today I'm just gonna try to finish one square or today I'm just gonna try to finish one section of one square and I will try to do at least one section each day. And it doesn't feel like very much, but if you, if you do just that tiny little bit each day, you actually can finish a blanket in a year. And, um, and learning how to do a new skill that felt uncomfortable for me also felt very life-giving. So just that, that humility of showing up and doing just the small amount that we can has been very restorative to me. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's, there's almost like a, a sense in which that lesson can cut both ways. That, you know, like a, a bad habit, like being on social media too much or putting too much stock in social media it, it does kind of have like a drip, drip, drip quality to it of, you know, it kind of starts to kind of reorient you and change you and it's very gradual. So kind of getting yourself back to where you need to be is also kind of a process. And, and so, you know, that's why I love talking about these, you know, these habits and practices that are restorative because they do have a, a way of kind of getting us into like a more healthy orientation of, of creativity, of, of, of learning to just show up and be present for something. Um, that's, you know, I, I feel like there's something to be said for something that's just concrete that you can yes. actually like make and see it in front of your eyes um, as opposed to that little red bubble on a screen or, you know, the little, you know, like right. button, right? Yeah. You know. <laughs> right, totally, totally. And I think, I think again, like, I think sometimes it's confusing. Well, how do I know if I'm too, if, if I'm too invested in this. And I think, again, there's that, that radical honesty of really noticing our emotions, really noticing, like for me, if I start feeling a little short of breath all the time and a little bit anxious and a little like fidgety and like, I'm, I'm kind of bored all the time, but I'm also feeling overwhelmed. Like there's too much to do. Like those feelings, it's like, I have to take them seriously. I have to honor the fact that my body needs rest. And I need to notice like, what is delighting me? What is restoring me? And give myself permission to do that. Even if it feels self-indulgent, you know, like make space for it in whatever way that I can, that, you know, still takes into account the daily life that I have. Mm. That's great. So if you were speaking with someone who's just like, where do I like begin with this? Like, yeah, they come to you and you're like, Heather, you have all these cool ideas about art and owning who you are. And, you know, they just want to like, they want to just get going. They want to just figure out like, what's like a first step to, mm. you know, kind of get comfortable in their own skin to, start doing something, you know, that feels restorative or good, you know, what, what would you tell mm -hmm. people or what are the things that you have been telling people as far as like a starting point? Yeah, you know, I think, um, I'll say this, uh, uh, Oshita Moore said, um, 
once to a, a friend of ours, Kara Meredith, she said, pay attention to your jealousies. And I think mm -hmm. if you are envious of somebody, I think that that can be a clue about what you're actually longing to do. If you are a person that would really love to be more creative and there's somebody that you envy, there's probably something life-giving there that maybe you should be investing some of your time in. And, and really like you can learn how to crochet a little bit at a time watching YouTube videos, like using like 15 minutes, you know, like do give it 15 minutes in a day. Like when I was first really starting to build a, a, a writing practice after I had kids, I had like 15 minutes. And I showed up and I put words onto the page for 15 minutes. And then I decided that was enough. And sometimes the smaller the number at the beginning, I mean, like literally I'm a big fan of timers. You are too, right? You use the, yeah, the Pomodoro, uh, the Pomodoro. Um, setting a timer for the amount of time that's realistic and just trying whatever it is that you feel jealous or envious of in somebody else, whether that's fashion design or gardening or building a car like i don't even know but like if you if that envy shows up in you i think it's a good idea to say what is it that i am yearning for that i'm not giving myself permission to invest in and carving out as best as you can the space to do it in in as small a space as as is possible you know like you you probably aren't going to carve out two hours at first so take 15 minutes and honor those 15 minutes is enough. And I think honoring what is enough over and over and over again will build something. It might not be what you thought it was at the beginning and that's okay, but just investing intentionally in something you're yearning for is, is a big step. Yeah, I feel like, you know, you mentioned this earlier, just that idea of what I have in my head and what it's gonna look like on the page yeah, there's just those two aren't gonna they're not gonna meet like it's not gonna happen and uh you know there's there's kind of like two things that i've i've found in this and I, i'm just kind of curious to get your comment on this but you know one of the things was you know i had always been interested in pastels and so i don't know a year or two ago uh my family yeah my wife kind of figured this out that they got me uh some pastels and you know, I tried out the kind of the chalky pastels and the oil pastels, and I really felt like I liked the oil pastels better. Uh, but yeah, I, I was like go, doing all these tutorials and I was like, man, like all my stuff really sucks. And like, I can't do anything that they're telling me to do. And at first it was like, I'm just bad at this. And then I started doing some research and I found out like, hey, like there's pastel paper that has more of like a tooth to it. There are different kinds of pastels. I was using like the super duper like cheap like pastels that you would get you know kids in like an art class you know um right. which are which are fun like you can do like lots of fun and cool stuff with them but um the tutorials that i was watching they're using like really nice pastels um so i got like slightly better pastels and better paper and then i practiced some more and then i was able to like follow a youtube video and make something that looks kind of like what the guy's doing you know like right. not every time but you know there's that sense of i feel like it's really easy to give up or to count ourselves out yes, um, or to say like, I'm not getting the results that I want. I'm not, I don't feel better. Um, and it's, it's a process. Like it's such a, yes. I, I don't know. So 
I just wanted to kind of throw that out there for you. No, that really resonates with with me. And I think I think we I think we assume that there's all this talent that counts. And really, like most people need just a, some information to get started. Like you said, oh, there's different paper that I should be using. Like so many things, like with writing, with everything else, there is a craft to most things that's just about like best practices. And until you do a little bit of research, until you spend enough time to run into snags, you won't know. Like I, I literally just finished this bag for crochet and oh my gosh, Ed, I'm so proud of it. It's colorful. It's cool. And it's, I decided to do like over the shoulder. I put it on, I put some items into it. Well, guess what? Crochet is stretchy. Suddenly my bag was like twice as long because the heavy stuff in it just stretched it. Right. So this is not, this is the first bag that I've made. And I just didn't know. I didn't know that the handle needed to be shorter. And right. this is what you learn. Like every time you make something, right. it is going to not quite be what you wanted. And you're going to have to figure out a way, either you're going to have to abandon it, or you're going to have to figure out a way to make it work. It is inevitable. And that is, I think, the idea that you will have a smooth artistic process or a smooth spiritual process. I don't know where we got this idea from. There is yeah. no smooth pathway that does not have twists and turns and snags. Like, it just does not exist. So we need to lower our expectations. Like, no, like, I hear so many people talking, like, at the top of their game, right? Like, national figures who are artists or whatever, talking about their process, talking about all the hiccups and problems that they ran into. Like, this is just universal, and yeah. we need to be prepared for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, yeah, it's striking to me, like, people talk about doing pastels, and they would say, like, oh, it's so, it's so relaxing, and for a while, it was, like, really stressful, and I was like, I'm gonna screw this yes. up, you know? And, you know, now that I've been at it for a little while and I'm a little bit more comfortable, it's like, okay, like it, it does feel good to just layer all these colors up and blend mm -hmm. things and, you know, and to not get too stressed out about how it looks. Um, but that, that surprised me as I thought that this would be like relaxing right away. And it was like, no, <laughs> not no. <at> all. <laughs> but no. It, it's, it is becoming more like it's, you know, like now that's like on the weekend, it's like, I want to do it now. I want to. Right you know, but it's, there is a process to that. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Um, how can folks find you online? Yeah. So my website is heathercaleary.com. And if you are interested in my 30 days to loving dignity course, you can find more information at heathercaleary.com slash dignity. And I'm also on Instagram posting all of my, all of my art, all of my, I didn't think I was an artist art. Um, and that's at Heather Kaleri. Those are probably the two best ways to find me. Great. Great. Well, it's, uh, thanks so much for, for sharing, you know, just your experiences and your stories. It's just a pleasure to hear about your process and, you know, just, uh, looking forward to see what comes next. And I'm sure there's going to be more things, more creativity coming from you. Thank you, Ed. Likewise, it's so fun to get to collaborate on this.